This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back, folks. Another episode of the Michigan Basketball Insider with my guy, Tim McCormick. And uh, as I always uh, do in the intro, I talk about what a great, great, great time I have doing these with my pal, my buddy, my big fella. It's always better, though, when they win. And for the first time in a month, we are doing an episode after Michigan has posted back-to-back wins. It's my pleasure to introduce the man that makes it go. He was a big fella roaming in the middle for Michigan in the early 80s before going on to be a first-round draft pick. Spent a decade in the NBA and has been one of the top color commentators, college or pro, uh, in the land on the basketball side of things. And I'm talking about my buddy, Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you today? Fantastic, Sam. I played with a lot of really good point guards. Sam, you're my favorite. And, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you know how to get the ball into the low post, and I love that about you. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about you know just different topics today, and I, I always feel like February is the most challenging window of college basketball. It's it's kind of like you know how in baseball. They say August is the the dog days of summer, right? You know, you, you've got the the mental and the physical fatigue, the newness of of the the start of the season's long gone. There's there's no holiday focus. You know, conference plays going, and we still have over thirty days till Selection Sunday. So it's it's kind of a hard period um, to to see where teams go. And typically, those that have really good leadership have a massive advantage this time of year. Um, Michigan beat Ohio State yesterday, and it was simply because Hunter Dickinson was not the all-Big Ten Hunter Dickinson. He was the all-American Hunter Dickinson, and he completely dominated that game. He owned the paint. He did everything, and he was not going to lose. And so I I saw a lot of growth and improvement for Michigan. Yeah, I think one of the biggest – you know, sort of adjustments for Hunter, and you called it out. I want to say a couple episodes ago. Now, you said he needed to make he needs to make quicker decisions, whether that's passing the basketball because now teams are doubling him on the catch, or getting into his move quicker, making a quicker, decisive move, anticipating the double team. And it feels like he's gotten more comfortable with that. Feels like his teammates have gotten more comfortable, not just watching Hunter. You're right, they they move better. Guys making cuts, guys getting into getting into open spots on the perimeter. They don't always make the shot, but you at least see the you you, you kind of see the plan there, right? I, and, and Tim and, and the other piece that I want you to focus on. This was something that was kind of evident against Northwestern, where they post them, kind of posting them at the top a little bit. They seem to be strategically trying to position him where it's harder for doubles to reach him as well. Yeah. It- it's a challenge. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of a story of when I played with Akeem Olajuwon. And I kind of compare Hunter. No, I don't. <laughs> um, 
but but anyway, you know, we were playing the Lakers in the playoffs, and our our coaching staff had devised a couple of plays um, to to have some misdirection, you know, set a back screen using Olajuwon, and then he gets a cross screen, and and then they fake the pass, and then they get it inside. And he, he said something brilliant. He said, why don't you just throw me the ball? <laughs> you know, we, we don't need all this other stuff. Just throw me the ball. And and Hunter's improvement, it, it's obvious. I, I know people will say, well, he was better as a freshman. Completely false. He, he's, he's learning so much. And I have to be honest with you, I think that that you know during during the games Michigan was losing, especially Penn State, I thought Hunter moped. I, I thought he was feeling sorry for himself. He he was kind of roaming the perimeter, like why do I have to post up because I'm just going to get double and triple teamed, and and that wasn't the case yesterday. And he learned if if I if I just play hard and embrace the fact that I'm so darn good that they're going to do everything to get the ball out of my hands, I'll still get my opportunities. I'll still get my 25, and that's what he did. And and this is how important his position is. Like, Ohio State was really good. They were ranked until Zed Key, that's their Hunter Dickinson, got hurt. When he was healthy, Ohio State was strong. And now they're just a bunch of guys that are young and trying to get their points and They've got no clue out there. Yeah, man, it's um, you know, it's one of those deals where you know you it's part of a maturation of a of a team. Uh, part of it is adjusting to the the way teams are playing you as well. And I, you know, you got to remember, or at least I have to remember at times that we are you know talking about a lot of players that are really young. It yeah. didn't dawn on me until talking to the guys after the Ohio State game, Kobe's younger than Jet. Jet was like, hmm. that's my that's my little brother over there. I'm older than him. And you you forget that, you know, Kobe's a young sophomore. So, you know, it, it, when you put it that way, it's not surprising that it's, it's kind of taking them some time to settle into how to play. Uh, and that we also have talked about the assertiveness for Hunter kind of manifesting in a different kind of way. Because this was the other thing that was very, very evident. It's been more evident of late Hunter directing traffic. So, you know, telling guys ahead of time, I need you to cut when I get the ball or directing traffic out on the perimeter. It's also been more evident beyond Hunter on the defensive end of the floor, Tim. And this is another thing that stuck out to me against in these last two games. They've just been more connected defensively. And I think a lot of it has to do with guys talking more. It was, I told Juwan after the game, man, we can see and hear you from, from press row, and we're way up there. We don't always see and hear the players, but now we're seeing and hearing them more, and I, I think Hunter, more than any of them, is, is becoming a louder presence on the defensive end of the floor. I'm not making it sound like they're, they're, they're stalwarts or anything, but that to me sounds like progress. Yeah, it, it's a good observation. I, I, always, I always feel like you can hear a good defensive team. If you're sitting close to the court, you hear them talking. Um, Joey Baker, by the way, a really good talker. Um, Will Cheddar, a very good talker. And, and I think that Terrence Williams, he's not loud, but he's a good communicator. Um, but you can also hear their feet. You can hear the squeaking sound of a shoe. Um, and, and Michigan, 
I think has improved more in, in that area than anything else. Uh, number one, when, when you watch Michigan play their best games, this may surprise you, but Sam, I think you would be happy to see armpits. Like you want to see Michigan's armpits. That, that sounds kind of nasty and gross, but that's when they play well. They're, their arms are up, their hands are moving, they're going to the boards. You know, if you've got your hands at your side, you're not an effective defender. And the other time you really want to see it, contesting shots. Just get your hands up. It doesn't have to be where your hand is right on the ball at the release point. Just get a hand up. Let them know you're there, and that's effective enough. And then also, they're probably not going to be very good in this area all year, but they're better at stopping the drive. Just just move your feet. You know, all you need to do is two slides. Okay. You're in your stance. The guy's going to his right, two slides left, and you're there. That's all you need to do. And if you can make him change directions or stop his path, that's that's it. Just two slides. It it sounds easy and 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 they've struggled with it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh are you excited, Sam? You want to see some armpits? Well, and listen, man, <laughs> listen, it was it was noticeable to me. Uh, you've been on the uh, on the court at every level, Tim. Uh, when when guys are blaming one another, that's different than when guys are correcting one another. And you could see guys were correcting one another on the court. I, I, again, I'm not here to make it sound like they are, you know, they're <laughs> they've gone from being really bad defensively to being really good. They've just put together a couple of games where they look more connected. They sound more connected. And you look up at against, against Ohio State, who I know, we got to put it in perspective, they were 1-8 in their last nine coming in this game, coming in that game. So it's not like they were playing great, but you held that team to 40% from the field. That's good work for, for Michigan. I, I mean, holding any team to 40%. <laughs> I don't care if they haven't won a game. It's progress for Michigan. So definitely want to shout Hunter out in that regard. And also want to shout Kobe out in that regard. Because on a team that has struggled mightily defensively and still trying to find its way, I think he's emerged as as the best defensive guy they have. Accepting the challenge of kind of de- defending the best perimeter guy on the, on the opposition. Going all the way back to Amani Bates, right? Uh, and we saw him, I think, do a really good job against Bryce Sensabaugh in this game. Yeah, and Bryce is really good. He's this year's Malachi Branham, uh, a, a one-year, one-and-done guy. Uh, Kobe has really good body language now. And and I think early in the year, he was saying to himself, I paid my dues, I'm going to be really good. But until you actually do it and, and you face star players on the other team and you, you go on the road and you have some adversity and – Maybe you're tired and you fight through it. Until you do it, you're never really sure. And now I look at his body language and you can see kind of the look in his eye like, yeah, I'm good. I can do this. Right? And, and, and I, I still don't trust his jump shot. But with his work ethic, I think he's going to get there. And, and you're, you're going to see a four-year guy that, that plays both ends of the court. And he's going to emerge into a silent leader. Kobe Bufkin is really fun to watch. Yeah, so we just pointed out a couple of things uh, that seem to be an emphasis in practice. Talking on defense, and then as we talk about getting Hunter the ball, post-entry. Post-entry, 
is kind of a lost art, Tim, because guys don't – I mean, it's, it's, they, it's just not a staple of every team anymore. In your day, I mean, could you play if you couldn't feed the post? I mean, guys just – you know, you just didn't – you didn't see the court. And so when you play with a big fella, you know, it's an adjustment to teach guys, uh, you know, guys that are on the floor with them. So it's not just one guy that's good at feeding the post. You got to teach the team. You got to have strategies that, you know, involve feeding the post. And it feels like Michigan is making progress there too. Yeah. The best team that I've ever seen entering the post was Clarkston High School. <laughs> you know, we started playing together when we were young and I was always posting up and they got really good at the fundamentals. You know, it, I, I would give them a target hand and they would hit it. They would, you know, use pass fakes. They would, if they wanted to throw it low, they, they'd fake it up high. And they were really good at lobs because they got a lot of reps and they knew that's where the coach wanted them to go. And Michigan is finally getting there. And it, it's a two-way street. Um, I think I shared with you the story of playing with Maurice Cheeks, the, the the Hall of Fame point guard with the Sixers. And I posted up, and he looked me off and went to the other side. And I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, I've got a little guy on me. Why don't you give me the ball? And he said, listen, if you don't look like you want it, I'm not giving it to you. And that sent a real message to me. So then I was like, you know, I was like a, a puppy waiting for his – is breakfast. Like I, I would, I, I was waving my arms. I was working like, give me the ball. I got some work to do. Hunter can make things a little bit easier. And, and another thing, like w- when you think about a postman, that's got that look in his eye, he's waving his hands. Like he's got urgency about him. Everybody in the stands, if he doesn't get it, they're saying, why aren't they getting in the ball? Like he, look how bad he wants it. So you're really forcing your guys on the perimeter to be aggressive and throw it in there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So now you are in a place where you're talking about who's who's making progress. So what about what guys are you really kind of taking note of making progress in that department? <laughs> I like Doug. I like Doug a lot. And there were times this year that I thought, he he's 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 not ready like he's too young he's a little bit erratic sam you remember the first games i mean he made some plays where he he nearly ran out of his shoes mm-hmm. and and he was going so fast i just see a ton of growth he's slowing down he's seeing the court a lot better but the thing that that has impressed me the most he doesn't have an ego so many freshmen they just want to score and he wants to win. Played 37 minutes against Ohio State, but he never seems to get tired. I like his defense and his effort. Look, he, he's going to improve defensively with time, but but he knows where to go and what to do. And maybe the thing that I didn't expect, his shooting is a plus. Like, like when I look at shooters, I judge if their misses are left or right. If they're left or right, I worry about that guy. He's got some funky spin on it. But but for the most part, Doug's misses are straight, and they're either a little bit long or a little bit short. You you can live with that, and I think he'll improve in that area. Yeah, you know, he, he's been a better shooter than I expected him to be yes. at this point in his career. I mean, he's he's not 
a guy that you you should just I mean he made him pay Ohio State pay they played like five feet off of him beyond the three point line he calmly sank it I think he was two for five from three against um, against Northwestern it's the inside the arc efficiency that has to continue to improve he had a breakaway you know it's one of those things where they were able to come behind him and and block the shot he's he's tweaking that mid range game so you know kind of figuring it out. Figuring the offensive game out and what he can do inside the arc is a work in progress. But what I like is offensive inefficiency. If his shot isn't falling overall, and what I mean by that is I think he was like three for – I can't remember what he was. He didn't shoot a great clip in either game. But look at his assist numbers. Mm -hmm. Tim, look at at the assist game that he had against Northwestern. He went out there – and dish nine assists with no turnovers. Now he was one for seven from the field, but nine assists and no turnover turnovers on the road. That's good. Bat. That is a a really good game, in my opinion, for Doug McDaniel. Is is he going to look back at it and say that's not one of his better games because he only scored two points? Sure, but you know it's not making. Don't make perfect be the enemy of, of the good. To your point, this is a young fella maturing maturing in front of our eyes it's taking a little time but i think we can see the signs of growth there yeah gotta be honest with me on this sam at this point in his career was doug recruited to be first string second string or third string (laughs) he was not recruited to be first string for sure uh at most at most second string yeah frankie collins was supposed to be the starter or second jalen llewellyn was probably brought in to be the one, and Doug McDaniel was brought in to develop and to work hard and to learn the game. So if you look at it from that perspective, he has so far exceeded every expectation for him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Let's talk a little bit about Joey, because when we talked the last time, you said you thought he was really struggling with his confidence. That was the reason for for all the drives. Uh, And maybe that was the case, but it seems like he's kind of shaking out of that funk a little bit or showing signs of it and and still keeping that drive element to his game because I watched him drive, finish lefty. I was like, oh, this dude is, you know, he's he's (laughs) kind of figuring some things out. Uh, you know, as well, even as a as a veteran on this team. Yeah, Joey Baker has never played this much. He's never had an important role like this. And so this is all new to him, and he's improved also. This is really, um, you know, very impressive the way he's attacking closeouts because that's not, that's not his thing. 
Um, he had eight points and three rebounds in 16 minutes. That's all you can hope for, right? I mean, that that's, um, that's so Im- impressive to me. And he's improved his defense. And I, I think that if, if Michigan is going to finish strong, they've got their three go-to guys. We know who they are. We know what they do. But good teams have four, maybe five scores. And, and we just focused on the two guys that I think are the best bet to really help this team. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So, outlook, Tim. Uh, we we do this all the time. Uh, it felt like a serious gut punch when they lost on the road at Penn State. Um, you know, felt like the the hopes for NCAA were were maybe done for or or had gone almost down the drain. NIT was even in question. Does one week make a difference uh, to your outlook with with two wins now over? Over teams that on paper they should beat, what do you think about the Wolverines at this point? No. No, no, no. No, absolutely not. Can't even talk about it. They're 13 and 10. They're not even close. It's way too early to talk about the postseason. Um, With such a new team, look, if they beat Nebraska and Indiana, I will still tell you no. Let's not talk about NCAA. It's way too early. And, and I'm going to stick with my thought that I shared with you um, after Penn State. Somehow, if they get to 19 wins going into the Big Ten tournament, then I say, yeah, I, I feel good about their chances. But this team has got to focus one game at a time. I know that Juwan Howard has not talked at all about, okay, guys, we need – this many out of this many. You know, six of eight would be great. Well, with a young team, do you really feel good about them getting six out of eight when you've got Indiana and you've got Michigan State? And they, they have to keep playing their best ball because they dug a massive hole, and I think they can get out of it, but I don't even want to think about it right now, Sam. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think we are a long way away from talking about NCAA <laughs> tournament, man. Uh you know, I had taken for granted that the NIT was a given, and they were starting to look like a team where that they're on the NIT bubble. You lose to Penn State, you're on the NIT bubble at that point, right? So that's true. That's it's, true. It's, it is still obviously very, very, very early to be talking about the big dance, but but there is opportunity. There's opportunity yeah. to to make some hay. You got this Nebraska game. Coming up, which we are going to preview now, and then just over the horizon, you have a game against a in, an Indiana team that is playing lights out right now, but a game an opponent where I actually like the matchups, and you're at home. So let's start off first, though, talking about Nebraska. No game is a gimme for this team. Let's be clear. But Tim McCormick, they have no business losing to Nebraska. I mean, they they've got to beat Nebraska. At home, am I right? Uh, you are right. Nebraska's not good. Let, let me start off with that. But they're good enough to beat you. Uh, j- just ask Penn State. They beat Penn State by nine. They beat Iowa by 16. They beat Florida State. They beat Boston College. They beat Creighton like that. That sounds like a pretty good team, right? Um, I would say right now, 
that Nebraska is better than Ohio State, right? I mean, if, if you look at yeah. the, the record and what they're doing now, Nebraska on a neutral site would beat Ohio State. Uh, they've got some decent players. The, the kid Walker, I think it's Derek Walker, uh, about 13 points, six or seven rebounds. He's big. He's 6'9", 250, so he'll be able to battle with Hunter. Um, but this is a poor offensive team. And and I think I have to ask the question is, I mean, is Fred Hoiberg in trouble there? They, they play hard, but is that enough? You know, it's interesting. When you, when you look at, you know, what – they were what he in here. First, let's talk about Fred Hoiberg at, at Iowa State. I thought he did a great job uh, at that program, sort of overachieving. And the way he did it, he went in, he went out and got a lot of JUCOs and was able to mesh and meld them together into a cohesive unit that was a consistent tournament threat. Goes to the NBA, uh, you know, has a, has some success there, but doesn't really take hold like like people thought he would, and now he comes back to Nebraska looking like he was going to be a real revelation for them, a step up. Now, it's been anything but, Tim, and when you look at what what he was, um, or what or what Nebraska was before he got there, what's the, the, the coach that predated him, preceded him? Miles. To Miles. Yes, yes. He actually had decent teams there. Tim, and, yeah. and I remember when they let him go, thinking to myself, I mean, don't we have to remember that you're Nebraska? Like, what, what's your expectation? And this is what I mean. What's your expectation for your basketball program in Nebraska? Are you – do you think you're going to challenge for the Big Ten, win the Big Ten? Or do you think that you'll be middle of the road with a chance to make the tournament every now and then? You know, every couple years, I think that I, I think that it's the latter, not the former. I thought Miles did a, a good, a, for all intents and purposes, did a good job there. I think they got caught up in the money that they had put into the program, expecting that that was going to translate into better results. And I just think that you got to have more realistic expectations if, if you're Nebraska. So if you broom, you know, Fred Hoiberg at this point. I think you're you're not giving him a chance to let his vision take hold there, and you're just going to be prolonging the rebuilding process. I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I uh, I liked Miles too. The the interesting thing that the last time I had a game there, he was the coach, and he was sort of the first guy that was sending tweets out at halftime of a game mm-hmm. that was unheard of at that point, and and he was a good coach, and and. He had a good model. He he brought in some some you know some big guys, some athletes, and he let them stay around for a while, and they became good. Um, I just think that that Fred Hoiberg is in the same position as Scott Frost was. That there's no recruiting base there, and there's no way to get the kind of athletes you've got to connect from everywhere, and so that that's a problem. Um, I honestly have not watched Nebraska very much because this is America, and it's free and I don't have to do something like watch Nebraska. I watch other teams play, but I am looking forward to watching Michigan play them because I I do think that it's a challenge because if I'm a young player and I know I've got Indiana coming up this weekend, 
I'm not thinking a whole lot about Nebraska when I'm laying in bed at night. I'm thinking about my game after Nebraska. So that, that'll be the challenge. And, and as I said, they're not good, but they're good enough to beat you. Right, so let's, let's – I uh, just pulled up Tim Miles' record as we were talking. So let's think about it. He was the Big Ten Coach of the Year in 2014 where he guided Nebraska to their first tournament appearance, NCAA tournament appearance in almost 20 years. Uh, he went 22-11 and 11 in, in the 17-18 uh, season, had 13, 13 wins in conference, didn't make the tournament with 13 conference wins, uh, went to the NIT. But my, my point is you, you had the Big Ten Coach of the Year. He won 20 games. He had 13 conference victories in another season. That, I just, how much better do you expect to do if you're Nebraska, Tim, I mean, you just laid out the limitations there. That's why it would be foolish. It would be very foolish to bro- to broom a proven coach like Fred Hoiberg because things are, uh, you know, things are taking some time to get back on track. He'll get it going. He'll get him respectable again. But then let's manage your expectations after that if you're the Cornhuskers. Okay, Sam, we, we've just spent three minutes on Nebraska <laughs> and their coaching situation. We We're the did. only podcast in the entire nation talking to Nebraska basketball. Yeah. We've got to change topics we, immediately. We do. we do. I'm more interested in the game after that. Again, not poo-pooing. Nebraska is not a gimme, but Michigan, I expect them to win that game. Indiana's coming to town winning six of their last seven, Tim. And they went, and we'll get deeper into this game. Uh, you know, to preview it uh, in another episode. But they went and took out the number one team in the country, overcame another monster effort by Zach Eady. Trace Jackson Davis is – Yeah, he challenged his team early in the season, yeah. saying we aren't doing what, what, what our coach coached us to do, instructed us to do in practice or on either end of the floor, holding his teammates accountable. So he's ra- raising his, his level of, of play and leadership. And then Jalen Hood Shafano, you got a young freshman here, Tim, another along the lines of Bryce Sensabaugh, who's standing out. We know Jet is looking like a lottery pick. This is another guy we need to be talking about. So I um I went to Bloomington this this fall to watch the Michigan Indiana game. Um the, the Mike Hart game, actually. I was scared to death at halftime because I did not recognize our football team. Um, but before that game, I, I went and spent time with my friend and teammate, Mike Woodson. And, we, you know, we talked a lot about building a program. And, and he shared how Trace Jackson Davis was, was so much of a better leader than he thought. And he talked about how his young guys could really shoot the ball. And throughout the whole practice, I was mesmerized by Jalen Hood Shafino. Like, like if I'm an NBA general manager, I want that guy because he's a big guard that just operates so smooth. His jump shot is beautiful. He's going to get better and better. And, and I think that his emergence has given them the 1-5 balance that you're always looking for. In that game, I worry about Hunter getting in foul trouble. I don't want Hunter to cover Trace Jackson Davis. I think that's a, a tough matchup for him. Um, but on the other hand, I like the fact that Hunter can power him, and I would anticipate that they're going to double Hunter and make him a passer again. 
Um, I'd like to see Michigan do the same thing and give Hunter some help. Yeah, he can cover him by himself, but if Hunter gets in foul trouble, that game goes south in a hurry. No doubt. No doubt. So we'll get deeper into that breakdown uh, after the Nebraska game. So be on the lookout for another episode this week. But um, ending on a somber note, Tim, uh, before we uh, started the episode, I got news, some some very, very sad news, that one of your brothers in, in maize and blue, uh, one of my Flint Town brothers, Demetrius mm-hmm. Caleb, passed away at the age of, of 53. Uh, his son, Demetrius Caleb II, um, talked about it on Instagram. He said he was the perfect example of a great dad, and I can only be grateful and happy he did exactly what he was supposed to do in terms of of a father so tim uh, i felt like uh we need to to pay homage to another one of those flint guys that that came up in the ranks he was a bill freeder guy um you know from from that flint northern program back in the day and man that he um you know he was a bill freeder recruit i should say and he he was a guy who who had a whole lot of game, but played on some loaded teams. So I don't know if people really appreciated that enough. Very sad, high quality person, great dad. Um, Demetrius Jr. came to the top 100 camp. I had a chance to play against Demetrius during summers. And and you're right, he was an excellent player that, that um, you know, he just he was all about winning. So he, he probably could have scored a ton of points elsewhere, but he wanted to win games and uh it makes my heart sad and just send prayers up to Demetrius. Yeah. Uh, a guy who was uh to be uh on the shorter side, which is enough for me to say, but he's about six one, could jump out of the gym, mm-hmm. was was a guy who could get downhill with the with the best of them. But when you're playing on the team, you got you know, teams that have Gary Grant and Ramil Robinson and, and guys of that ilk, first-round draft picks. That's why I say you, you probably just don't appreciate how good Demetrius Caleb was, and he finally got his his chance to shine after all the guys from that championship team went to the league. So, you know, after, after the 89 title, uh, Glenn leaves, and then after the 90, uh, you know, 90 tournament run, which ended early to Loyola Marymount, that's Terry Mills, Lloyd Vaught, um, you know, Ramil, Sean Higgins, Mark Hugh. All Mark those guys Hughes. are – yeah, all those guys are, are gone at that point. So, you know, he was charged with being the, the guy that bridged – he was in that bridge team from that, that title squad to the Fab Five. He was that in-between year, the star yeah. of that team, got a cup of coffee in the NBA, uh, gone but not forgotten. And, you know, you talk to folks in Flint lore – he definitely goes down as one of the all-time greats from the city of Flint. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I, I, um, I have great, great memories of Demetrius. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Tim, that is going to do it for this episode. Remember, we're going to be doing another episode this week, and we may have a special guest. So, I want to tease you with that. We'll look deeper into Saturday's matchup with Indiana at the time. Of course, folks, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcast. That's Google, that's Stitcher, that's Spotify, iTunes, you name it. They can find it. If you like watching this, 
Be sure to like the video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. More episodes coming your way, not just of this, but the Recruiting Insider. We got the Behind the Uniform series firing back up with players coming through the studio for video interviews. So a lot still to come. Again, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you want to stay up to speed on everything that's going on behind the scenes, inside Intel, recruiting, football, basketball, we were on top of the Chris Partridge hire before anyone or the upcoming hire of, of Chris Partridge. Be sure to check us out over at MichiganInsider.com. $1 gets you in your first month. You cannot beat the bang for your buck. When you become a full-paying member, you also get access to Paramount Plus as part of your subscription. Until next time, we'll see you again on the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider.